What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Thwack Jack Super Thwack Podcast. We're on episode 27 now. Yeah, boy, it's been... I can't remember, did we do one last week or was that the week before? It was the week before, but we put it out last week. I put it out last week. Oh, yeah, because we did it on Friday last yeah, week. Yeah, we did it on Friday and I put it out Monday. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. yeah. So we're I'm, back at it again. Yeah. With uh, the white vans. I, I'm losing track of life at the moment. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so today we've decided to do our top ten movies of all time. Yeah. It's like a minute to get down, get the list down. Yeah, and I'm but. sure there will be plenty, plenty, plenty of branching off and tangents like we usually do, so. Yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah, and, uh, just so you guys know, I'm laying down as I do this podcast. <laughs> um... Yeah, yeah, and the quality of the sound might not be the best just because we don't have our uh, typical microphone this time, but we'll see how it turns out. So, um, We'll start with our tens and go uh, down to our number, or I guess up to our number ones. Yeah. Uh, do you mean, would you like to kick it off? Yeah, so for number ten, I have The Clerks 2. It is the first Kevin Smith movie I watched fully. Um, I think before that, I didn't really know who he was. Because I saw him in Daredevil before that, but I think I told you on that episode when I saw that, I thought he was just some random guy. Yeah. You no you never watched uh, Jay and Silent Bob before that? No. No, really? Uh-huh. Damn. Yeah, that's the first one I saw. Um, and after that, I think I watched Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I mean, yeah. Okay. That one. So Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back after Clerks 2. Yeah, but Clerks 2 was really good. Um, there's, especially the scene... When uh, the dude comes in and they're talking about, they're debating uh, Star Wars versus Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it was fuck. That was yeah. one of my favorite scenes in the world. Because I saw Clerks 2 before I saw Clerks 1. Yeah. And <laughs> he's like, and then uh, Sam drops a brick. Or was, is it? Bricks and Bricks and Frodo's, Frodo's face. And Frodo's mouth. He's all, uh, uh, <laughs> Faggot. Oh. They're <laughs> not gay. They're hobbits. <laughs> There's only re- one return, and it's of the, the Jedi. Jedi. Great. Here's the first movie. <laughs> Here's the second movie. Here's the third movie. Drops the <laughs> That is the greatest monologue and, like, description of Lord of the Rings yeah. ever. It really is. Oh, hell. And then the uh, the donkey show. Oh, my God. Yeah. Kelly uh... can be a guy's name, too. Hey. Where, where's Kinky Kelly? I am Kinky Kelly. Yeah, Kelly be a guy's <laughs> name. I thought you were the sexy stud. <laughs> <laughs> oh hell yeah and uh it also has a really good emotional scene when they're in the jail in jail when they're talking oh yeah yeah that's like a really good emotional scene too there's a, there's a good balance throughout the whole movie really um and yeah it's probably let me think it probably is my favorite Kevin Smith movie honestly I can see that I have I, to say I I do have it on my list as as well um it's not at number 10, but I honestly bounce back and forth in my head in which one I like more, because I love Clerks 1 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Clerks 2 has a little bit more, like, 
comedy I can relate to just because of it's more current. Yeah, there's a lot of heart in there too. Oh yeah. I think both had a lot of heart, but I, I just I don't I don't know what about Clerks Two just kinda drew me to it more. Yeah, there's more emotional scenes for sure. Like even the scene where uh Um the dude's driving like Randall around and shit. Yes. And they go like go karting and shit. Yeah. Like it's just like a uh it it a good scene. makes sense, like especially in the context of everything, like kind of the guy who never figured his life out but like knows how to blow off steam to like take the stress out yeah um i was that was one of my movies i was always able to like really relate to i loved those movies yeah um yo number 10 my number 10 is batman uh michael keaton batman nice uh just because like i don't know why as a kid like i connect i felt like i connected with that one a lot more and I think it's because I grew up watching a lot of Tim Burton movies, like Nightmare Before Christmas and both Batman, Batman Returns, um, and then uh, Edward Scissorhands. Is Edward Scissorhands a Tim Burton movie? Yeah. Uh, I, was, I don't know why I, I doubted myself on that yeah, for a moment. Oh, it is. I just, I was very heavily influenced by his style growing up, and so when I got that mixed with Batman, I think it blew my mind. Yeah. Um. Even though, obviously, it came out before I was born. It's just, like, when I found it. Yeah. It was... It's, that it, was, like, uh, one of the first, like, big superhero movies, too. It was the first one to... Honestly, I think it actually was, because I can't think of anything that was really big before it. Might except for been. Superman, obviously. Yeah. Other than that, I think that, that is the thing. Yeah. It was the thing. It, it was the first time that it was that superhero movies became like big budget draws. And they were taking one a little more seriously, too. Yes. It, it literally took the campy Batman from 1960 or er, 69. 69? What year was. 60s. <laughs> but I know it, and that's the part that kills me. 66? Yes, 1966 okay. Batman. Um, it. It's the first time that Batman was taken seriously, especially after the 1966 Batman TV series yeah. with Adam West, which in no means is bad, but it was very campy. Yeah. Um, it's definitely Batman for a different type of person. Mm-hmm. Uh, to each their own. I just, I was very much on the side of like portraying the character in real darkness. Yeah. And that, that one was dark and it's, Kind of laid out a lot of stuff from then on, like a lot of the animated series used yeah. stuff from there. Um, well, like, I, I know me and you have talked about this before, and this is technically isn't the Batman, but it's Batman Returns. It's a scene from there where, do you remember how we talked about in a previous video where, like, Bruce Wayne is the mask and Batman is, like, yeah. who he really is? Tim Burton went, like, full ham with that metaphor in Batman Returns. Oh, yeah. Because Catwoman and Batman are at a, like, mask ball. And the only two people there not wearing masks are Catwoman and Batman. Yeah. Everyone else has a mask on. So it's, like, legit, like, oh, this is the mask. Yeah. It, it was kind of weird. Like, especially growing up and watching that, it's it's a trip. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, no, I can go on about Batman movies for, like, the next ten years. So, uh, what was your number nine? My number nine is going to be Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal. Still have not seen it. Really? 
It's been in my watch later list for like close to a year now. Okay. It's one of those things, like, I don't know why, it just, it seems like something I really need to be able to focus on, and with my kids running around, I can't do that as much, so I'm like, I need to wait till I have time. I'm on vacation this week, so maybe. It's not like a super heavy movie, it's pretty straightforward, but it's like super well acted by Jake Gyllenhaal, and he kind of got snubbed for the Oscars on that one. Isn't it written and directed by the same guy who Jake Gyllenhaal also did uh, Velvet Buzzsaw with? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, same dude. I like that one, but that one felt a little too heady for me. Yeah, a lot of people say that one wasn't... Compared to Nightcrawler, it's not yeah. anywhere near it. And I, I liked it, but it wasn't... Yeah. I don't know, it, it just... I hate that snobby art shit to where it, like, yeah. it feels... I, don't, I, I just, I hate pretentious shit. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it and this one's definitely not. This one's, um... Basically, Guy Goes Crazy mm-hmm. type movie. Okay. I mean, he well, he kind of always was crazy, but he like he's like goes a, further and further. A reporter or something, right? So he's just guy who's, from the looks of it, he's trying to do anything he can to get money. So at the beginning of the movie, he's like cutting fences apart, trying to collect scrap metal, trying to sell it and shit, and he's stealing stuff to resell. Mm-hmm. And eventually, he's he stumbles upon this uh, crime scene, and he notices these guys pulling up to the scene with cameras and going to film it. And one of them is Bill Paxton. And he asks Bill Paxton, asks Bill Paxton, Paxton, what he's doing, <laughs> and uh, he basically tells him that he sells that footage to the news stations or whatever. So that sparks the idea, and then he gets a camera, and starts to do that shit. Okay. Yeah, but then he starts like messing with crime scenes to make the footage even better. So it's kind of like a, it's kind of a weird movie though. Huh. Yeah, that's crazy. It's really good. I'll, I'll definitely have to watch that one yeah. soon. Um. Going from there, my number nine would probably be Wrist Cutter's A Love Story. And you've talked about this one in a, in a video before. Yes. Um, it, like, so essentially, like, the idea of it is, like, this guy commits suicide, and when you commit suicide, you don't go to hell, you go to purgatory. It's kind of like your second chance, but, like, there are very, like, stringent rules. Like, you're not allowed to have fun. Yeah. You're not allowed to smile. It's just very bleak and gray and kind of just really bland. Um, But it's kind of a cool twist on, like, where you go when Mm -hmm. you kill yourself. But it's also... It has a nice, like, redemption story through it. But it's the guy from Almost Famous... The main dude? Yeah. Okay. And he does a fantastic job in that movie. And then, like, the way the movie wraps itself up is weirdly, like, good feeling. Okay. So. Uh, I think Tom Waits is even in it. Wow. It's, like, one of his few movies. What year did that come out? 20, I want to say 2010. Let me look it up really quick. Um, I I absolutely love that movie. I, I... Got lucky and I found it randomly. Uh, it looks like 2006. Okay. I, I got lucky one night. I was watching HBO when everyone is, was asleep at my grandma's house and it yeah. came on and I was like, I guess I'll give it a try. Nothing else is on. Yeah. And I f- like instantly fell in love with nice. it. Nice. And I forgot the name of it for like a year afterwards and then I found it and I watched it like three times in a row. <laughs> I like stumbling upon movies like that where you're not expecting much or whatever you end up watching it and it just... Oh yeah. It goes, same goes for like shows, TV shows too. Yeah. It, 
stuff like that is kind of cool. It's like, especially when it's like kind of a hidden gem that isn't polluted by a million people's opinions. Yeah. That's why I kind of, well, TV show, I kind of felt like that when I, the, um, the Fosters. Oh yeah. Like, uh, my mom and my sister were watching it and I kind of just sat there mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh shit. I ended up watching the whole series. And that's the thing, like, it with the really popular stuff, like your Game of Thrones and your stuff yeah. like that, it's almost hard to have a personal opinion because if you don't like it, then people look at you like you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I you gotta kind of find your balance in it. movies like that or TV shows like that where you can kind of have your own truth and then build your opinion and then if someone else has a different opinion, you can at least say, I have my opinion for yeah. it. So, um, and then going from there, your number eight. Yeah, number eight is gonna be Whiplash, which is a movie you haven't seen yet. That you let me borrow four yeah. months ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, clearly we're stumbling upon the theme that I'm really bad at uh, keeping <laughs> up on uh, shit in my watch later list. <laughs> right. Um, I've seen trailers and it looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, J.K. Simmons, I will pretty much watch whatever he does. Yeah, J.K. Simmons probably has, like, his best performance here. Miles Teller has his best performance here. He, like, so I loved him in 21 and over. Yeah. I never realized he could do drama that well until after that movie. Yeah, especially in this one. Um, He's not the, like, the goofy fucking, like, comedic guy in this mm-hmm. one at all. Um. This is about him. Uh, he's a college student, and he goes to this like pretty like prestigious musical music school in New York, and, like a Juilliard. Or... Yeah, kind of, kind of like a Juilliard. And uh, he's trying. He's in like the like guess basic band class or whatever. And J.K. Simmons is teaching the um, super like elite class basically. Okay. And he ends up hearing Miles Teller playing drums and recruits him, and like the relationship just develops into like a. Like, really abusive. Mm-hmm. Like, he's trying to get the most out of Miles Teller, but, like, doing it, like, in the most, like, violent and crazy <laughs> way. But, yeah, it's, it's a really good movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check. I still... I will I will check that out this week. I will watch those two movies specifically. Yeah. I won't guarantee any other ones, <laughs> but I'll, I'll stay up late a few nights this week, and that'll be on the game plan. Cool. Um, my number eight... I don't know if you've watched it yet, is The Butterfly Effect. I still haven't watched it. I, I want to. I'll give you my watch movies. Okay. It's okay. actually on... Um, I don't remember movies anywhere. It's on Amazon. It is? Yeah. Okay. I still have to watch it. It's... I don't know. I think I might have just found it at the right time in my life. Uh, it's extremely depressing. Like, it was the first movie that, like, when it ended, I was on the verge of tears. <laughs> um, And it just... Even the alternate ending. Honestly, the alternate ending is more fucked up. Really? They both made me feel... I don't know if dirty is the right word, but, like, just extremely uncomfortable. Where I was like, I just... I feel like... It was the first movie I left feeling, like, empty. It felt like the movie took something away from me. Yeah. Um, He's just crazy, because, like... Basically, he has these moments when he's growing up where he blacks out and he writes them down in a journal because he can't remember and he's trying to like connect the pieces and then years later uh, he finds his journals again after he stopped blacking out 
And whenever he reads one of those journal entries, he's able to go back in time and play out the events and change the course of history. Oh, shit. Um, and so, like, through the one act of changing something, it changes everything else. Yes. It's the butterfly effect. And it just, it's it's kind of bananas. And seeing uh, another one of those Ethan Supley movies where dude is fucking gigantic. I didn't know he was in that. Yeah, he he's like a really, really fat emo dude. <laughs> like, he he plays it pretty well, too. Like, he's a... Uh, He's one of my favorite characters from the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, number seven for Damien. My number seven is going to be Pulp Fiction. Okay. And it was either... I was either going to pick that or uh, Reservoir Dogs. But I ended up going Pulp Fiction. Uh, there's definitely more uh, more story involved in Pulp Fiction. Actually, multiple stories that kind of intertwine with each other. Yeah. In some ways or another. But, yeah, yeah. A-list cast, John Travolta, Sam Jackson, Harvey Keitel, there's Uma Thurman, there's a shit ton of people in there. I don't know why I'm drawing a blink on Harvey Keitel in that movie. He's the wolf. He's the guy they call to clean up the uh, car oh, when they're okay. at Quentin Tarantino's house. In oh, dude, Phil Lamar. It makes me sad that that was his only like big acting credit. Yeah. But he's done great voice works in the yeah. years since, but it's the only thing you've ever like seen his face. Yeah. Oh. It's just an all-time classic movie. It is. Um, I don't know. When I watch it, it makes me want to make movies more. That's for sure. It was definitely one of the first movies I watched, other than Clark's, that made me think, ooh, like, I could make a movie. Yeah, because when he writes, he just he literally writes whatever the fuck he wants to and in ways that no one else doesn't. Yeah. Because I think to that point, there really wasn't any movies that were told in that same style. Like it's non-linear. Like, like the anthology style. Yeah. Um, I want to say there was one other one, but I don't think it was done nearly as well. Yeah. Um, he was definitely the person who I think, I guess for lack of a better word, kind of perfected that genre. Yeah. Um, the only things I can really think that have done anthology semi-well since is probably, uh, what what the VHS movies and th- th- those aren't connected yeah. at all but like they're it's, it's not distracting to go from one to the other right like whereas like while it was distracting in Pulp Fiction especially when you're jumping scenes and you're like starting at the middle and then ending like at the beginning yeah <laughs> like it was kind of all over the place but it was fun yeah, and then once you realize where all these all the storylines connect, it makes it more exciting. Yeah, too. It 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 is a blast, yeah. and seeing him like knowing that he's only made nine mainline movies where he was director and writer. Yeah. is insane. Yeah, and that was only his second movie, and it yeah. was already that good. It's. It, I will say, I think I liked Hateful Eight. Yeah. But I don't think it was his best work. Yeah, Hateful Eight is not for sure. Um, it's by no means a bad movie. It's just yeah. I'd rather watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I would also rather watch Django Unchained because I love that fucking movie. That's a good one too. Glorious um, Bastards. You can you can see yeah. all of them. You literally <laughs> Kill Bill one and two were fantastic. Yeah, I liked two just a little bit more. The only one I didn't care for too much was Death Proof. 
Yeah, but that one isn't even technically his directing credit. Cause I they think count I, it. Because it's in the, uh, in the Tarantino collection with all of his mainland movies. It's in there. Really? I yeah. thought, thought he only had a writing credit on that one. Yeah, he directed that one. Huh. Yeah, he directed Death Proof and Robert Rodriguez directed Planet Terror and they released the in tandem. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it makes sense. I, I don't know why I thought that wasn't his because I thought he only had the nine like main ones. Yes. Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. Pulp Fiction. Jackie Brown. Kill Bill. Kill Bill Volume 2. Death Proof. Inglorious Bastards. Django Unchained. Hateful Eight. Once Upon a Time. So that was ten then. Oh shit, yeah. I think he wants to make one more, I think he said. Yeah, he said one more and then he says he's done, but I think he's also said one more and I'm done before. Yeah. Because I think he said he wanted to stop with the Hateful Eight at one point. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to come out at one point because the script leaked online. Oh, really? And he was super pissed about it, and but Samuel Jackson convinced him to release it. Hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and then going from there, ironically, my number seven is Reservoir Dogs. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, I... I And weirdly, I think that was the last one of his movies I've watched. Really? Yeah, like, it was, I didn't watch it when I first found him. I, it took me years to finally sit down and watch it. I think it was two years ago I finally sat down and watched okay. it. So, I mean, I think I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood since, but it, I don't know, just the way he tells that story and the little hints he drops, like, the whole idea of, like, you finding out who uh, the snitch is at the beginning of the movie. Yep. Through just dialogue. That whole movie is like super dialogue driven because it's only set in really two main places. The restaurant's beginning, then that warehouse, mm-hmm. and I guess you can count outside when they're running yeah. and in that car when they're driving to the warehouse. But it's really a few places and it's simplistic when you like look at the whole thing, mm-hmm. but complex in the dialogue and oh, shit yeah. like that. Because it's, it's extremely easy to overlook the hints that it drops like yeah. when they're in the cafe at the beginning and he's like who didn't tip and he's like oh w- w- Mr. Pink didn't tip yeah like the fact that he just immediately fucking threw him under the bus is like oh okay like maybe we should have looked yeah. into this dude a little bit more like it's kind of crazy like the l- layers of storytelling he yeah. puts in and I like how they're talking about the Madonna song at the beginning of yeah. the <laughs> like a virgin wasn't there a lawsuit over that I don't know. Because that was, uh, what, I can't remember his first name, but it's Sean Penn's brother. I can't, I can't think of his <sighs> yeah, first name. Yeah, because, yeah. Because I know he's dead now. Yeah, he, he died. Uh-oh. But I think that Madonna tried to sue over it because it was like a story that he heard from like someone she dated or something. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking weird. Um, and like listening to Kevin Smith talk in some of his podcasts, he's like, that was one of the first times I realized you can use just, like, the way you talk to your friends as dialogue in movies. Yeah, and that's another movie, like, where you, like, watch it and you can you see how doable it can be okay. for anybody to do. Because, like I said, there's, like, very minimal sets mm-hmm. and it's just dialogue. And yeah. there's no fucking big effects or anything. It's all on you, so... I mean, hell, he... Quentin Tarantino even put him in his... his self in his own movie. And... Didn't make him... I don't think he really had a line in the movie, either. The only time he really talked 
Major League was at the beginning of the restaurant the when they're talking about the Madonna song, and then he had a few lines before he died in the movie. Okay. That was it. Yeah. Because he didn't try to, like... Don't overdo ham-fist it. ...ham-fist himself into the movie. Like, I love Kevin Smith, but he has always made himself a huge part of most of his movies. Yep. Especially his, like, main, like, uh, askew-universe movies. Yeah. Like, the Chasing Amy's, the Jane Silent Bob's, obviously. The Clerks, the... Mall rats, like yeah. Even the I role he it, gives but... himself when he has that one thing he says that's like super important to the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> it, it literally bridges the gap yeah. to make it to where you get to the next point. Like, yeah, you write yourself in to give closure to the story almost. Yeah, like it. At some points, it almost feels lazy. I I don't know. It's well done. It just. Makes you wonder what he would have done if he wouldn't have thrown his self into it. Right. I don't know why that just... It, it bothers me, but it also makes me happy. Right. It's conflicting. It's right. because I'm a fanboy. <laughs> I was going to say another uh, sad thing about Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Is that at one point he was... Uh, Quentin Tarantino was talking about doing a movie that was the Vega Brothers. It was Michael mm. Madsen and John Travolta in a movie. V. Yeah, that would have been, been pretty cool. And I know everyone's like, oh, we can still do it. They're both alive. I'm like, it wouldn't make any sense. They both aged out. Yeah. Like. And John, you see the acting John Travolta's been doing lately? With Gotti? Maybe he does need Quentin Tarantino to revive his career again. I mean, honestly, that's what saved him the first time. Yep. (laughs) Ah, That's conflicting. I I wouldn't want a Vega movie, though. Not anymore. And I honestly don't know how I feel about continuing to watch him kind of go downhill. Yeah, he like I think he just takes whatever's given to him is his problem. Yeah, did you ever see the fanatic, the no. Fred Durst directed movie? Oh, I heard about it. But I no. watched it like three times. Is it it's fucking horrible? Oh god. <laughs> um, because I know he really was starting to go downhill again with Battlefield Earth. Yeah, that was back in two thousand one. Yeah, and that hasn't he, been fucking smooth sailing since. He made a small resurgence with movies like Love from Paris. Yeah, and and even then, Hairspray. And then, like, everything after that was just down, 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 yeah. down. Um, and I heard nothing but bad things about Gotti. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Damien's number six. Number six is going to be Goodfellas. Um, it's, what's the first? That's probably the second Martin Scorsese movie I watched fully. The first one was The Departed. Okay. Um, but yeah, this movie, I've seen it so many fucking times. It never gets old. It doesn't feel as long as its runtime either. Because it just goes so smooth, you're into the story so much. And it Um, flows. It's crazy that that's a true story. Yeah, it is a true story. Henry Hill. And once again, like this movie, this this cast is stacked too. You got Ray Liotta, Robert De Niro, uh, Joe Pesci. Did I say something fucking funny? Yeah. Am I a clown? I'm here to amuse you. It's, it's an all-time great gangster movie. For sure. Yeah, no. And definitely, like, some of the best of the best cast you could get for a gangster movie. The only thing really missing in there is, like, an Al Pacino. Yeah. Like, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, My number six is Clerks 2. Yeah, I don't think there's enough that... Or I don't think there's anything I can say that I haven't already said while sucking Kevin Smith's dick during this uh, list video. Yeah. So I think we'll just skip on to your number five. Okay. <laughs> My number five 
Spider-Man. The Same original movie. Spider-Man. Toby. Toby's okay. first outing of Spider-Man. That's like a really special movie. That's it came out in, I think you were in first grade too. Yeah. Like yeah. I was. Yeah. That movie was fucking everywhere. Oh, dude. Uh, I, I remember the first like comic book I got where it was act- like an actual like in the panels yeah. was a movie tie-in yeah. for Spider-Man. That's really what got everything started, I think, for me, like, yeah. as far as comics and stuff. I had the fucking, the bed set, the comforter, the sheets uh-huh. and all that. I had the cereal, I had, like, a bunch of shirts. Dude, I had the cereal, and at the same time the cereal came out, there was the uh, game for the PlayStation slash the uh, PC. Played that shit till it broke. The movie game? No, the game. So, like, the movie game was okay. Yeah, I had but, that for the game. But when the serial came out, it uh, some of the serial came out with a copy of the, oh, the yeah, like regular Spider-Man. Yeah, and I loved that shit where you uh, fought uh, Monster Rock at the end and everything. Yep, like that was my jam. Mm-hmm. I loved that. Yeah, that movie. Uh, I think that's when uh, that really started the superhero genre. I think. Yeah, no, to I, a to a new level. Well, it, it definitely. So, Batman 1989, I think, really kickstarted it, and then Batman and Robin killed it. Killed it, and then X-Men came out, actually, before Spider-Man. Yeah, but I don't think that did what Spider-Man did. No, it, might it definitely, like, opened the door yes. for Spider-Man, but Spider-Man kind of just fucking blew it open. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I will say, if we didn't get Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, I don't think we would be where we're at, even with, like, the MCU right now. I don't think so. It it gave a great template of not following stories beat for beat, but mm. being true to the source material at the same time. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Like, the only major change that they really made was the organic web shooters. Yeah. Instead of I think that was a mechanical. logical choice. I think it made sense. And, like, it, it was a very good, like, uh framing device for puberty at the same time. Yeah. A lot of that stuff in that movie that happens is very, like, symbolic of yes. something, like... It, it was very well thought out. And, like, don't get me wrong. It is kind of on the campier side, especially if you're looking back at it through, like, a current lens. Yeah. So the first Spider-Man had that one scene when they are fighting at the end in that collapsed building where he gets punctured by the glider. Yes. And then the second Spider-Man is that scene when Doc Ock's when he's in the hospital and then the the arms come alive and they start taking out all those oh, doctors yeah. and shit that was like those two scenes are like the Sam Raimi horror oh yeah uh, ish things but um but yeah the first one very special no it was a hundred percent like uh, it was a huge changing factor in like cinema alone but yeah. like especially superhero movies it was yeah they're on a high for a couple years there and then I think when Spider-Man 3 came out and after that, you got Catwoman, Daredevil. I mean, Daredevil's 2003, but... I think there was a, more of a case of just... It, that shows how much, like, studio interference can really fuck with something. Yeah. Like, There's I, only a few that I can't speak solid. too much to why Daredevil was bad, but Catwoman was clearly a case of studio interference. Yeah. Like, no self-respecting comics guy would have done what happened to Catwoman. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, an atrocity. Daredevil is an A plus movie compared, compared to yeah. Catwoman. Yeah, and we know how we both shared our opinions of the Daredevil movie of like three weeks ago. Yeah. So 
Um, <laughs> the less said about those, the better. Yeah. Um, to your number five. My number five would be Lords of Dogtown. Wow, I did not expect that. I love that fucking movie. Wow. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I'll say this. It's one of my favorite Heath Ledger movies. Like, yeah. I think it's an underrated performance from him. Um, but for those of you who don't know, there was a group in California called that were pretty much known as the Lords of Dogtown. Um, three main skaters. You got your Stacy Peralta, who took Tony Hawk under his wing later in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have your Tony Alva. Yeah. And my personal favorite, Jay Adams. Yeah. I love anything Emil Hirsch is in, and him playing Jay Adams, like, that sold it for me. Right. The scene where he shaves his head and uh, Sharpie's the zipper on yeah. was, like, my favorite fucking thing in the world. <laughs> I loved that. Um, I think it was very well told. Uh, I don't feel like there was a whole lot of plot holes. Um, I, I don't know. It just... I think it also really connected with me at the time I found it. It's another one of those because I... Skateboarding was my life in, yeah. like, 7th, 8th grade. And that's around the time I found it. I don't know if that's when it came out, but that was when I got lost in it. Yeah. And it just, it helped me get lost in skateboarding that much more. Yeah, same for me, too, because I was really into skateboarding back then, too, especially when Tonax Underground Underground 2 mm-hmm. in American Wasteland. You had those kind of, like, feed into that, and then this movie fed into it more. And that was a whole, it was really big back then. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. It's starting to get a resurgence now again. Yeah. But, like, that was, like, everything back then. Well, and I think a lot of it is, dude, like, when media shines a light on skateboarding, it has a huge resurgence. Because when the Tony Hawk games were going, it was all over. Yeah, it was fucking huge. It was huge. And then Skate yeah. came around, it was huge again. Yeah. And then since Tony, before Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5 came out, it's been dead. Yeah, it's been dead ever since even before Skate 3 came out, because Skate 3 wasn't even that huge, really. No, it wasn't. And then now, I've noticed since Pro Skater 1 and 2 got re- uh, remade, mm-hmm. and that was just in the last like month and a half. Yeah, and my sister's on TikTok and shit, and apparently on TikTok, skateboarding is becoming a big thing with these kids now, yeah. too. As, l- as long as it's in the media and you can see it a little bit more, yeah. it's going to make a comeback again. Yeah. I mean, it's fun, it's exercise, it's a way to get kids out of the house. Like, yeah. Honestly, I've, I've gone past the point of listing this movie at this point to just advocating for skateboarding. Go <laughs> <Those> skate. <laughs> Do it. Um, in the in the words of uh, your boy Shia, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Uh, Damien, what would be your number four? Four? Yep, that number four, yep. Yeah. We're up to four. My number four is Drive. I still have not seen this one either. I'm not guaranteeing anything this week, but yeah. I will get to it eventually. This is my favorite Ryan Gosling performance. Really? Yeah. Even over the other one? La La Land? Yeah. Yeah, performance-wise, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. I respect it. Because this movie is like, you think it's going to be one thing, and it fucking just goes balls to the wall. And I heard a lot of people complain... Because it wasn't what they expected. Yeah, because the marketing, when it came out, they marketed... Oh, here it is again. They marketed... <laughs> I forgot you did this They tried to sell it. 
They tried to sell it as a fucking, like, Fast and the Furious type movie yeah. in the trailers and shit, but it was not that at all. It's a fucking art house, it's a noir, neo-noir film. That's okay. what it is. Um, And basically a character with autism. Okay. And so, it just show, and it, it has something to say on loneliness. Kind of like Baby Driver? Not like that. No, not all. that level of autism? Not even the autism thing, it's just not like that at all. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a kind of a movie about loneliness and the desire to find love and a family. Okay. And, yeah, it, it, it's there, there's deep themes in it that you don't see on the surface, but they're there. Okay. So it's much deeper than that. But, yeah, it goes it goes balls to the wall in some points that you don't expect when you first watch it. Oh, yeah. I'll have to give that one a yeah. try, too. Um, my number four is Boondock Saints. That's a good one. I didn't even think about this. I love that one. I absolutely, I think both of them are fantastic. Mm. Um, I will say, I think the first one's slightly better than the fir- the second one. Um, but it's, I, I, I don't know, like. If we're if we're not speaking ethically about it, because obviously you don't want people to like kill people in general, mm-hmm. but the idea of like bad versus evil, especially like small versus big, yeah, like David Goliath kind of story, like it's cool in that, and then like the fact that they justify it by bringing religious religious iconography into it is it makes it that much more like batshit crazy, yeah, and it's stupid fun. But it also is, like, very well-told story-wise. And I honestly think I would not like it as much as I do. Well, there's two factors. I'll be honest. I was a huge cuck for <laughs> uh, anything Irish when oh, I yeah. found this movie. Yeah. So it was, like, another one of those, like, perfect timing situations. Yeah. But also, and honestly, probably the more realistic reason, Willem Dafoe. Yeah, his performance in that is excellent. His fucking, uh, there's, uh, there was a firefight. There was a firefight, and when he's in the alleyway investigating the scene, he puts on his headphones and he starts dancing and shit. <laughs> he's like, I'll have cream with my coffee. Yeah, and then, uh, when he wakes up with that dude, and then he tries to hug him, he's like, he calls him a fag. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to cuddle. He's all, you fag. <laughs> and then he, he goes into the bar later, and he's like, pour me another drink, you fairy fuck. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, it's great. <laughs> he's he's fantastic in that yeah. movie. Like honestly, like I liked everyone's performance in that movie for the most part, but he was the selling point. Yeah. Um he's that way in almost everything he's in yeah. too though. Except for Spider Man. Toby was the shit. Yeah. I don't know, but his performance is Green Goblin. Oh it was the shit. Iconic. I but I will say it was outdone by Alfred Molina. I, I'm just being honest. Spider-Man we'll Two talk to me. About that another time. <laughs> Spider-Man Two to me hit harder. I don't yeah, know that's why. what everyone says. I mean, I agree. I mean, it is the the better of them, but the first one is still my favorite. I, no, and I, I respect yeah. it a hundred percent. Yeah, a lot of it is personal experience with the movie. Yeah. Um. But if we yeah, if we're talking like overall, like yeah, Spider-Man Two is like considered one of the best superhero movies of all time. Period. Oh yeah, hundred percent. There's so much in that movie, like. Deep, like deeper than the surface. Oh yeah, it's very well like layered story. Yeah. Um, 
I think the only thing I could have done without in Spider-Man 2 was the Russian landlord. <laughs> I like that shit. I fucking hated him. I like and I hated Grant. his daughter. I don't know why. I couldn't stand his daughter. I love the scene in the third one where he's asked for rent. And he's like, you'll get your rent when you fix this damn door. <laughs> Emo um, Spider-Man. Emo, Emo yeah. Peter Parker. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, so, yeah, you're number three, then. My number three is Lady Bird. Okay. I don't know Still, if you've ever seen that it's one. another... I've seen... How many... We're on three, so... I've seen, like, three of the movies you've said so far. Fuck. This is the second of the A24. I only have two A24 movies on this list, surprisingly. Do I have any A24 movies? But, um... Yeah, Lady Bird is uh, Saoirse Ronan. Uh, one of my favorite actresses. It's basically just a coming-of-age story. Transition from high school... This uh, girl trying to figure out who she wants to be and who she is as a person. Going from high school into college. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those feel-good movies that I can relate to because we're really not too far out of high school at this point still. And uh, I can just remember and relate to stuff. You realize we're, even though we say that, we're almost 10 years out of high school. I know. It doesn't feel like it. No. I, I, I turned 26 last week and I was like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> right. I was like, dude, I've been out of school for almost eight years now. Yep. It's terrifying. I don't yeah. like it. But, yeah, but uh, yeah, still very relatable. You can uh, kind of look back and pick out like, oh, that happened to me or yeah. had something like that happen. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's a really good movie. Hell yeah. I'll have to watch that one soon, too. I know I think I've said that about pretty much <laughs> all of your picks so yeah. far, but... um I think I've seen every single one of yours so yeah, far. Uh, I think there's one on here that you haven't seen. Oh, okay. So maybe. Unless something's changed. Um, my number three is Saw. Nice. I think that was pretty obvious, though. So, um, I don't know why I fell in love with Saw. Like, as a even as a kid. Because I think I was in, like, Fifth or sixth grade when it came out? Fourth, because I didn't know fourth. I was in fourth. Fourth? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that makes sense, too. Um, I remember leaving football uh, on a Saturday and going to my cousin's house to watch it. And from that moment on, like, I was hooked on, like, that idea of a horror movie. Like, it just, it felt gross. It felt just dirty with that green filter. It felt yeah. very well told. Like, and especially with that twist at the ending, like never really thought anything of that guy on the floor until never seen a twist like that before. No, like, especially as a kid. Yeah. Like, You're like, Oh fuck. As an, as adults, I don't know what people would have thought, but like the camera's never on him long enough to where you're even really paying attention to him. You just think he's there. He's dead. Yeah. Whatever. And it's just one of those things like it's explained in letters and stuff is, oh, like, he killed himself, or recordings or whatever, as he killed himself, so it's, like, the last thing you're thinking is this dude's gonna get up and be literally the jigsaw killer. Yeah. It blew my fucking mind. Yeah. That movie came to me from my dad. Um, he was He's a pressman. He prints newspapers and shit like that. Okay. So when that came out, he saw the ad for it, and him and my mom went to go see it, and then eventually when it came out on DVD... I had saw it, that we had it, mm-hmm. so I just asked to watch it, and this was fourth grade, and ever since then, we just saw every single one. Yeah. They came out every year. And 
that's pretty much where I've been since I saw it. Like, yeah. I fell in love with Saw 2 after it came out. Yeah. After that, it was diminishing returns, I'm not going to lie, but I still loved them. Like, yeah. I still wanted to go see them. I don't know why. Just There was something, like, magnetic to that series. Yeah. For me. Yeah. But, yeah. So, you're number two? Yeah. My number two is Saving Private Ryan. Okay. And this used to be my number one, uh, my favorite movie of all time until... We'll talk about it pretty soon. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's my favorite war movie out of any of them. It has one of the best casts in any war movie. I mean, it does have a fire cast. Yeah. Um, the opening D-Day scene yeah. is probably one of the most... It is one of the most realistic depictions of that that incident mm-hmm. in a movie. Um it's just like super visceral. The whole movie is super visceral. Oh yeah, you can feel everything. But uh, well, I, I know a lot of people like the twist at. Uh, it's kind of a twist at the end because everyone assumed during that funeral that they show towards the beginning, everyone assumed that was Tom Hanks's character talking. Yeah, but it's actually Matt Damon. Yeah, yeah. Just because the prosthetics are so well done that it was yeah. like confusing. Yep, that's what I thought too. I thought that was Tom Hanks, but. It's not. <laughs> yeah. And that's... It's kind of an, another one of those cool little layers that, like, it just doesn't... It's one of those things you don't think anything of. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no. That was a really good movie. Um, my number two... And this is where I think that I finally get one where you don't... Uh, haven't seen it yet. Is The Devil All the Time. Ah, you fuck. I know. That's new, too. It is. It literally In hit already me. already major list. It hit me really hard. And, like, uh. at this point, I think I wanted to watch it early so I could have my own opinion. Because I stayed away from any reviews. I just... I went in to watch it. Like, it... I don't know. It's one of the most, like, complete movies I think I've seen in a while. Okay. Where I didn't leave with questions. Like, did I want to know what happens after the movie's done? Yes. But, like... Everything I could think of was answered. Okay. There wasn't any, like, okay, but how'd that happen? Right. Or how'd that happen? Like, it was very, like, I, I don't think formulaic's the right word, but it was it was just, to me, it was done right. Um, character motivations were very clear and set up from the first point you meet a person. Um, whether it be related to someone's ego or sense of duty. Okay. In certain cases, like, it was just, it was very clear-cut where everybody comes from. And everybody fit into their molds perfectly. And you can never fight with a a Robert Pattinson performance. I don't know. Um, At this point, you can't deny the guy. Yeah. If you do, you're just an ass. I really, really fought myself on his uh, accent when I first heard it in the movie. You get past this first scene and you're like, I believe it. I was really worried about Tom Holland going into the movie. I know me and you talked about this. Yeah. That southern accent scared me with him. And it wasn't even just that. For me, at least, I I couldn't picture him as a hardened character like that. He does the hardened very well. I, I won't even give you the scene that I'm thinking of because you need to watch the movie. He's pretty fucking brutal. Like, nice. I didn't expect that kind of physicality from nice. him. So, 
It's definitely something I'd recommend. And what I was reading, too, about Robert Pattinson in that movie, that nobody on the set knew he was going to do that accent until he did it. He hid his accent away from everyone. That's crazy. Yeah. So, like, he didn't try it, like, he didn't try to, like, stay in character to do it with people beforehand? No. Yeah. He waited until they started shooting the heat, and he did the accent for everybody. <clears throat> well, I, I heard, think it's cool. I heard he refused a... Dialogue voice, coach. A dialogue yeah. coach for it, which is another kind of cool little thing with him, because... He's super ballsy all the time. Well, he did the same thing with uh, the king when he played the king of France. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. He, uh, everyone was like not expecting him to go full like ham on it, and people walked out loving it and like memeing the shit out of it. Yep. So as you do, yeah, he's a big meme right now. Oh, he's huge. You keep sending the same same meme, but the one. Where he's like a deer in the headlights in the tracksuit. Yeah. <laughs> this fucking guy kills me every time. It's amazing. Um, I, I want to know the origins of that picture. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell. But, uh, your number one? My number one is La La Land. And I, I fully expected that yeah, one. Yeah, that's... I don't know, I never see, I've never seen a movie to where... Like, after I watched it the first time, it, like, impacts me that much. Like, I've had movies impact me quite a bit, mm-hmm. but not like that. It's, it was very relatable, especially with what we're doing. You're trying to chase, like, a dream or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much based on that. Um, it's super bright, and it's musical. I like musicals. Mm-hmm. And I know you don't like that opening song. I, if I watch it again, I would probably like it a little bit more, especially because I found out that the lyrics to that opening song essentially tell you the way the story is going to go, anyways. Yeah, it's, 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 it's that whole opening song sets up the whole movie. Yeah, and I will say when I watched it the first time, I saw John Legend, and I was like, "Ugh." See, really? that's the one thing I don't care for is <laughs> when he enters the movie. I'm like. Every time I watch it. I don't know why. It's just like, I don't think of him as an actor, and I just didn't need him in the movie. You see, it would have been fine if it was just the scene where he walks up to him and tries to get him to join his band. Yeah. And that that was it. But once he actually joins the band and they have that show, yeah. I'm like, that's the only part I don't like, but that doesn't even knock it down enough for me to give anything less than a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Um, no, and I respect it. He's... He's definitely the worst part in a fantastic movie. Yeah. And I think it's just because of the, like, top-tier acting people he has to act around. Yeah. If it wasn't as serious of a movie, I don't think I would have minded yeah, And Emma Stone won Best Actress for that movie. Deservedly. Yeah, and that soundtrack. I was, When that movie came out, I listened to that soundtrack, like, every day. I fell, I remember falling asleep to that soundtrack a couple times <laughs> yeah. after I watched the movie. Like, yeah. it's dope. Yeah. I loved it. And like I said, like it took me a minute to get past that first song, but I've li- I've re-listened to the song since then, so I want to rewatch the movie eventually. For sure, yeah, and that but, movie just means a lot to me too. Like, well, always because of the acting thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing too. So it like hits deeper that way. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, I I will say I think my favorite part of it was just knowing the history between the director. And J.K. Simmons and him having that scene in the movie in the restaurant. Yeah, he's the restaurant owner. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so my number one, 
be American History X. Okay, that's a good choice. Um, the movie hit me hard when I found it. Uh, hit me harder after I read the book that it's based on. But, I don't know. I never grew up in a situation where I really thought there was any difference between people. Like, uh-huh. I wasn't raised by bigots. Right. So, seeing people react to each other in ways like that blew my mind the first time I saw it. Um, but seeing the way it was handled in the movie, because I was really worried it was going to... Like, it, it, did, it does get dark. Oh, yeah. But I was really worried while I was watching it that it was going to go to places of, like, full-on race war happening right. in the movie. Um, one thing in that movie that bothers the shit out of me, no matter how many times I watch it, the curb stomp. Ooh, yeah. Even before the curb stomp happens, the sound of the teeth hitting the curb. Yeah, when it's like close up and you hear him open his mouth on the curb, it kind of drags along the... It's like nails on a fucking chalkboard. Yeah. And good night. My teeth are my biggest fear. Like, I hate the dentist. I, I, I hate the sound of the grinding. Yeah. Look, it's not even the feeling. It's the sound. It feels... It feels scary. Yeah. <laughs> um, And that sound of those teeth on the pavement... Or not pavement, but the concrete is just like... Ugh. Like, it literally gives me chills. Yeah. Um, And then... Edward Furlong does a fantastic job in that movie. He really does. Um, especially for someone who dropped off the map for a while. After that. Well, after Before that, right? and after. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. Um, he's... I only know of one thing he's really done since, and that was this this year? Or last year? With Dark Fate? Uh, Terminator Dark Fate? Oh, yeah. And I think he's only in the beginning. He was also in Green Hornet. With the oh, Seth Rogen. Oh, shit. He's one of those henchmen. He was. I forgot about that. Yeah. Like, he, his stock fell a lot. Majorly. But, uh, yeah, that movie's good. Um, Edward Norton, it's really a story of, like, redemption. Yes. But ultimately, like, consequence. Yes. Because even though he got redeemed himself, he still faced the consequence of his actions by his brother getting killed. Yeah. Because he didn't have... he Because of his previous actions of being in... The Nazi group. He influenced them. He did, and he didn't have enough time from the time he got out of prison to turn him around before yep. his previous actions, like, sealed his brother's fate. Yeah, so he definitely felt the consequence for that. Yeah. And it... It's crazy, because, like, you think that he's set free of that cycle, mm-hmm. and then as soon as his brother dies you can see how he can almost get lost back into the world yeah. of hate. Yeah. And he's being sent back into that world anyways by, uh, like, a police task force that wants him to, like, take down the white supremacists from the inside. Yeah. Which was a weird little twist I don't feel like I really needed. Right. But other than that, the movie almost feels flawless to me. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know, just... I will say one of the most disturbing things, other than, like, the teeth, is watching Ethan Suplee do... sing that fucking song in the truck. 
Yeah, when he's driving to the Edward Norton's place. Yeah, that shit made my stomach turn. <laughs> like it was just disgusting. One I, of, I don't know. I just ugh. one of the best scenes in there is when the, they're all eating dinner with the, his mom's new boyfriend, who's mm. a teacher at the school. Oh yeah, he just goes <laughs> on that anti. Jewish rant and then he takes off his shirt and he has the fucking swastika on his chest he's like you know what this means this means not welcome (laughs) I'm like holy fuck fuck yeah (laughs) oh that's fucking wild dude and it's crazy because like you can see how the people that raise you can really define the way you look at life but how especially like youth when they lose something can radicalize that thought yeah because it was his dad his Dad's thought process was fucked. It, and but then, it, it was, but it wasn't it as... It wasn't, like, fucking out there. Yeah. It was, hey, like, it's fine to, like, interact with these people, but uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to see the way he said it in the movie, because obviously I don't agree with it, yeah. but it was basically along the lines of, like, duh, they get everything, but, like, we have to work for our shit. It yeah, was very, it was very one sided, like almost like the Trumpisms. Of yeah, today. and then what sealed it was when his dad got killed by a black person, yeah. correct? Yeah, and then, I believe so. Yeah, and then when uh, he's uh, Edward Norton's getting interviewed by the news people, and he just goes on that yeah. rant where he's like, "Dude, he, why was why do you have to go help them in this whatever neighborhood?" Yeah, and you can see the descent. Right there. Like, yeah. the way he plays that character is just... Yeah. You can see... He's intimidating oh, when yeah. he's buff like that Oh, shit. well, dude, it's weird because in those scenes where he has the long hair and he's being in, uh, on that uh, news... It's supposed to be a kid. Yeah, it's supposed <laughs> yeah. to be a kid. Like, he looks fucking skinny. Yeah. He doesn't look... Looks like, like a dweeb there. Oh, dude, but as soon as the hair's off and he's out of... Or before he goes into prison and everything, that dude is... Jacked to the gills, like he looks like he. It's funny they didn't keep shit. that after that. Now he's he's kind of like a thin dude, ever since the. I think he just kind of goes based on roles. Yeah, because I mean, I was on. I wish he was kind of that big for the Hulk, but at the same time, it didn't. It makes sense for him not to as well. Right. Um, but I can't think of. Was American History X before? I think it was after. But was it before or after Fight Club? I think it was before. I think American History X was 96 to 98. Okay. I'm going to look this up real quick. But if, Fight Club was 99. If that's the case, why didn't he keep that physique for Fight Club? That's what I'm saying. If I was, if I got to that point, like physically, I probably would maintain it to some point. Fight Club was 99. Yeah. And American History X was 98. That's yeah, so all right. So they're a year apart. Okay. Um... Damn, we lost. Okay. But it, it, that makes it more irritating to me because it's a year apart. You couldn't have kept your fucking workout regimen up just to... I'm trying to keep that as long as I could. <laughs> I mean, at the same time, I think that's another one of those things, though, where it's very much character-driven. Probably. Because he was supposed to be the guy who is a dweeb. Yeah, because Brad Pitt's the buffer version yeah. of him. He's the more, like, perfect, idealistic what he wants to be. Yeah. So, like, it makes sense. But if I'm going to work that hard to look like that, I am not fucking changing it for a role. I'm not... I'll do the Chris Pratt thing where I will fix myself for a role, and then every role I have after that, I'm going to be tip-top. Yeah. 
That it just doesn't make sense to go back. Yeah, unless you're Christian Bale. Okay, yes. But he can literally do Machinist, Batman, Cheney, another Batman. <laughs> American Hustle, he's oh. fat in that too. Oh my god, I forgot about that one. He might end up with some sort of fucking health conditions. Like uh, Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks? Yeah, Tom Hanks, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised Tom Cruise isn't dead. Yeah. With what he's done. Right. <laughs> um, Just as a last note, uh, though, we both wanted to kind of throw some honorable mentions. Do you want to yeah. do them all in a group, or do you want to just back and forth, back and forth? Yeah, I'll just do all mine in a group, and then you can do yours in a okay. group. So, here we go. Honorable mentions. My my honorable mentions. The first, The Fast and the Furious. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, remake, 2003. The Family Stone and Watchmen. Okay. I definitely respect that. Especially The Watchmen. Like, oh, yeah. I honestly think I just want to sit down and have a night where I watch that again. Right. I, I love Zack Snyder's um, filming style. I know we've gone over this before. But, like... Especially tied to that. Like, that oh, yeah. is the most graphically, like, it needed to be graphically uh, adapted. Yep. Because it wasn't, it, it's a very visual novel. Yep. So it was just perfect person to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, my honorable mentions list is The Phantom. Oh, yeah. Which we've gone over, like, yeah. when I was a kid, I broke that DVD. <laughs> Uh, or uh, VHS. Um, Clerks, which we've also talked about already. Chasing Amy. And Sin City. It's a good list. I love Sin City. So. Um, just as a little closer, is there anything... <laughs> I mean, I don't know why I'm dancing around it, but is there anything this week that um, irritated you? Yeah, there's one major thing that irritated me. <laughs> and then I think after this we'll end it, because I don't want to talk about anything yeah, else after this. Like, so f- fucking Dune <laughs> decided, Warner Brothers decided they're going to push back Dune to one specific date that we were looking forward to next year, October 2021. Fucking Dune took the Batman spot. Now the Batman got pushed to March of 2022. So... Now we have to wait. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I felt like uh, doing bad things when I heard that. I I was not happy. I I don't think I've ever gotten like legitimately mad about something like that before. Because I really did. I really got upset. I really feel like if I wouldn't have seen that trailer, I wouldn't be as upset. Yeah. I mean, I would be upset, yes. Oh, yeah. But that trailer, it broke me. It's like that meme I sent you. <laughs> oh. You're watching trailers in 2020. <laughs> movies that aren't coming out for five years. Oh, God. Why, do you sh- why the fuck do you show me if I can't have it? <laughs> oh, hell. Dude, it's just... This year already sucks. <laughs> yeah. 2021 I looked forward to. I'm now, not looking forward to it anymore. Yeah, no, I have nothing to look forward to. I'm looking forward to 2022 now. Yeah. But 2021 can already suck a dick. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, nothing good happened this year so far, and next year I see nothing in sight. I think I said, it can't get much worse than this. I said that too soon. Yeah, I think from now on, you just need to shut the fuck (laughs) up. (laughs) Oh, fuck. But, alright, well, until next time, um, 
if you wouldn't mind just uh, liking, subscribing, following us on all the social medias, the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Yep. Uh, make sure to subscribe on YouTube and uh, just keep posted for anything we do in the future. Uh, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure to leave a or rate and leave a like. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. My name is Anthony Stevens. Damian Labour. Peace. Peace. Thank you.